0: Ladies and gentlemen, this is your place's call. All right, everybody, back to one. Standby lights one and sound one.
1: Camera speeding. Audio speeding. Lights and sound. Go. And action.
0: Hello, listeners. Welcome back to Pretend World's Real People. What's up? How is everyone? I hope you're all happy. And if you're in a snow-ridden place, so sorry. We are too. It's okay. <laughs>
1: it is a uh it well currently it's a snow sunny Thursday but this should be a sunny melty Friday for those Hopefully, of you tuning yes. in uh everybody in Texas and down south uh we hope everyone's okay and that you're gonna get your power back soon. Um, if you're listening to this on your phone and it's out of full charge trust me it's worth it sacrifice that yeah. battery power uh today we have a, it's a special rider. episode. Yeah, sorry, yeah. I cut we, you off. It's a, I just
0: am excited.
1: <laughs> it's a special episode.
0: It's a special <laughs> one.
1: <laughs> we we have uh, an amazing filmmaker that uh, I think everybody needs to, to tune into. Been keeping track of him for the last few years. Uh, he's a he's a writer. He's a producer. He's a director, um, and he's just a hardcore creative. His film Body Brokers is coming out today, February nineteenth. Uh, a film that I think everybody should watch Steph and I checked it out on a screener. And it's one of those movies that is incredibly entertaining. So like just, just so gritty and driven, but at the same time you're going, I pray to God, this isn't true. Uh, and and then it is. Yeah. Yeah. Which, <laughs> which he was um, uh, really awesome enough to share with us, you know um, experiences based around the film and uh, his filmmaking career uh, his love for all movies and uh, yeah we're just really excited for you to, to tune into this episode uh, so let's meet John Swab. Welcome to Pretend world, Real People man how are you?
2: Good how are you guys doing?
0: Doing well thank you.
1: Doing awesome thank you again for uh, for coming on the podcast and uh, sitting down and talking with us. Uh, a lot of people who uh, are tuning into this episode obviously you know in the know that your film Body Brokers is, is coming out uh, well, it's it's it tomorrow today, <laughs> tomorrow. but it's out by the by the time of this uh, this podcast. Uh, so yeah, if you wouldn't mind telling our listeners, you know who you are and and what you do, man.
2: Uh, yeah, so I'm a writer and director uh, of the film Body Brokers, and um, yeah, uh, this film's based on firsthand experiences of my uh, my firsthand experience, and then people uh, that I'm close to um, their experience as well. So. It's about the uh, multi-billion dollar drug uh, uh, treatment center scandal that's going on right now, insurance fraud. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm all out of sorts here, but um, yeah, it's kind of an expose of sorts and uh, we're really excited to get this story out there and, you know, get people talking about it and hopefully enact some change.
0: Yeah, well, we watched the screener and I was blown away, like I... A, didn't know anything about any of the, uh, this this fraud going on, but B, it's a phenomenal movie. Like you did such a great job getting it together and your cast is awesome. Like I, I loved it. So well done you.
2: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. I mean, yeah, the uh, kind of the constant reaction is I had no idea this was going on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's what was exciting about making the film. Um, the fact that it happened to me and uh, and that I I know a lot of people. This has happened to was motivating because you know, it's it's a problem. So um, we're proud of it, and we're hoping that you know it'll uh, validate some people's stories and experience.
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely a film that, uh, like you said, you know, I, I had no idea this was going on, and as you're watching, it, you're you're thinking as an audience member, God, I hope this isn't true. You know, it just it it hits you right there. So I do want to ask you. Uh, you know, you said you had firsthand experience with it, but when did you decide to, to write about, you know, this, this experience, what was the, the inception when you said, you know, I'm going to write it down, maybe not directing it, but just, just writing it as a form of catharsis. When did that start?
2: Uh, you know, so I've been sober about five and a half years now, and I went through about two and a half years of inpatient treatment, um, total over the span of a decade or something like that. Um. So I, uh, I got very familiar with the process of treatment and, um, you know, the different phases and everything that the movie kind of outlines. Um, but once I got sober, I kind of I didn't really have any interest in in making a film about drugs. Mm-hmm. I had spent enough of my life in that world that I didn't really want to go back to it. Um, and most films are that deal with this kind of subject matter recovery or addiction. I never feel like they do a good job. I always feel like they're leaving out the truth. Um, so you know, I, I, I didn't have any interest in telling a story about it. Uh, so, but about two years ago, um, you know, or two and a half years ago, I, I I went out to LA to visit my wife, who's an actress, and she was on a film set, and um, I met up with some friends that that work in treatment, and they told me they said, "Hey, you know, this is still going on," and and it's gotten even bigger than when you were in treatment. And I was like, yeah, whatever. I don't, you know, that's too bad. Um, and they convinced me to, to come over and, and kind of sit with some people that really broke down the numbers and how big it had gotten. And, uh, once I heard that I reached out to my producer, uh, Jeremy Rosen, uh, who's my partner in, in these films. And I kind of told him about, it. I was like, Hey, you know, it's, it's really, this thing's really interesting. And, um, I think there's something here. And he said, all right, we'll keep digging around. And so they introduced me to uh, a few more body brokers and then some people that were really kind of at the top of the food chain um, in the body brokering uh, sect of this whole thing. And these guys are making unbelievable amounts of money. Um, You know, and I I went to go meet them at uh, some really, uh, I met kind of the kingpin, I guess, at a very nice uh, West Side LA hotel. Um, You know, they took my cell phone, they patted me down. Um, and I went in and it was like I was meeting you know uh, some kind of you know drug dealer a big drug dealer. Uh, the guy dressed like a gangster uh, and you know he basically said to me he said "I'm not going to tell you anything but you can ask me whatever you want and so it wasn't like he would offer me any information but I could ask him whatever and he would answer me honestly um, and what I found out was fascinating and what he told me was fascinating the amount of money he told me he was making was unbelievable Um so from there I left and I went back home and I was like, fuck, now I got to tell this story. And, uh, you know, it's because I know, I know the, uh, the effects it's having on people's lives. You know, people are losing their lives because they're getting, you know, they're, they're raising their hand and saying, I need help. And for the first time in their lives, a lot of the, a lot of the time, and that's the hardest thing in life to do. And then to, you know, finally get the courage to do that. And then, go somewhere where you think you're doing the right thing, only to find out you're just getting it taken advantage of and, and used up um and then kind of thrown back out on the streets is is horrible, you know? So I, I felt the responsibility to tell the story. Um I also told my wife, I said, you know, this is kind of maybe the one time in my life that I'm gonna actually sound a lot smarter than I am. And uh I'm an absolute authority on drug treatment because I've been so many times. So uh, it was a rare opportunity for me to uh seem like i know a lot about something because i actually do um so i i, I kind of jumped at that selfishly as well so there's the long-winded answer
0: <laughs> no it's great um and i don't i don't want to give any spoilers or anything like that away um but, but i am i guess i'm honestly confused about the technicalities of how this fraud works so if this is something you don't even you want people to watch without hearing but we can cut this part but I'm just curious um because I just don't understand isn't all that money coming in needed to go towards what's being treated and and to the the facilities and all that kind of stuff I don't understand where the excess is coming from that was like the one thing I couldn't figure out but I also don't know anything about insurance so
2: (laughs) Don't know how um, it works. Well, I mean, I'll just give you a few examples. I mean, what's really, really amazing about um, the treatment industry, and, and it's really a testament to the mind of a drug addict, um, mm-hmm. is that, you know, people who tend to be addicts and alcoholics are extremely resourceful people, you know, mm-hmm. it, they will do whatever they need to do to get what they want. And when you take the drugs away from somebody like that, they still have that mind. And so a lot of these people that are running these treatment centers are ex-addicts and alcoholics. Um, so when they, you know, uh, are put at the helm of something like this and they have no, um, healthcare background, no educational background, I mean, you need more certification to cut hair than you do to own a treatment center, which is insane. Um, so when you put people, you know, like that, um, you know, I'm a drug addict, uh, a recovering drug addict, but, and I, I'm not one of these people, but if you put basically a criminal in charge of, of getting people uh, well, um, they're not going to waste any element of whatever they're trying to, they're going to figure out how to monetize everything. So what happens is, for instance, when you check into treatment, everything is billed to insurance. And that doesn't necessarily mean that insurance is going to pay everything, but everything is billed. So when I checked into a place one time, it was not even a nice place. And they were like, hey, do you want a body pillow? I was like, yeah, sure. I'll take a body pillow. Like, you know, one of the big bolster pillows because you're sleeping on like plastic sheets. They're like, Oh, do you want sheets? And I'm like, yeah, I I would like sheets. Um, you know? And so they kind of ask you if you want everything, all these things, and then they bill insurance for every single thing. So a body pillow that's fucking $22 from Kohl's they're billing my insurance. I saw the bill for $660 for that body pillow. So, and the sheets that are, you know, I mean, they're no, nope, you wouldn't even put them on a dead person. They're so uncomfortable and they're charging you $450 for those sheets. It's like they're Egyptian cotton or something. So everything is billed and multiplied to the nth degree. And, you know, they're just hoping that insurance settles somewhere in the middle. So they'll bill 660 and insurance might say, oh, we'll give you 200. And it's like, you're still making a killing off of that. So, you know, everything down the urine, as it's outlined in the film is, is monetized. Um, And so the excess is everywhere, I guess, is the short answer. You know, I mean, you're not paying a lot of these places aren't paying, uh, you know, Harvard medical experts to come in and do their, 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 you know, therapists. They're not, they're not highly trained people. These are kids that are a lot of times interns or first year out of college or something like that. So. The overhead isn't a lot. I think that's what the, I think that's probably what your question was, is, you know, a lot of these places, the overhead is not much and, uh, to keep the lights on doesn't cost as much as you'd think. Um, and they're overcharging for everything you do. So
0: that's, that's what it is. As I was, I was thinking from a a fair person brain of I would only charge maybe a little bit more to make a little bit of profit, but not right. that gross of an overcharge. That's a thing.
1: Right. Wow. So what was it like trying to get this this project made with all of that, you know, that knowledge that essentially is being exposed within the film? Was it hard to find funding for it or did you have, you know, backers right away who also wanted to help kind of reveal this this hidden truth?
2: Uh, this was, I mean, I've made four films now and this, I'm about to make my fifth. Uh, and this body brokers was the hardest film to make financially, um, uh, because, you know, um, you guys probably know this, but in like genre films, like, uh, it's much easier to, to bank your dollar, um, with, with horror and action. I mean, those are, um, genres that kind of transcend, um, nationalities so they 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 go all over the world and they do good money um but films like this that are very specific to the United States and the healthcare system here and also you know it's it's a very much a uh, a a, a, a mo- an American movie um it's it's hard for people to see how they're going to make their money back on a film like this unless it does really well here um which we think it will and it and it's done so far but um you know for as uh as socially aware or woke as Hollywood likes to to tout themselves as when it comes time to putting up money to support stories like this it's um you know they're 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 can't really find them you know or find the people to do so so um you know we the people that did come on had a personal connection to this or had family that had experienced this and um and we're very grateful for their support so <laughs>
0: Do you have any concern that after this movie gets a wide viewing, you might get some um, negative kickback in terms of people being upset that you've kind of revealed their secrets and whatnot?
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, we've already had, uh, I don't know if, if it was, we've already had attorneys send us letters saying, you know, you better not put this out or whatever. And we're just like, you know, fuck you. Um, we'll, we'll, see you there. Um, so, I mean, it, I, I would imagine that'll happen. I, mean, I would imagine a lot of people will say certain aspects of this film aren't true, but you know, the, the facts are is, um, it's happened to me and you know, the numbers that are in the film, I, I aggregated between, uh, dirty treatment centers and good ones and people, I know at both. So, Um, I'm pretty sure of all my facts. And, uh, you know, if anybody's um, upset, you know, it's probably because they, you know, they're uh, complicit in some way. So
1: totally, totally. And uh, I'm interested to to learn more about, you know, uh, your your filmmaking background and how you how you decided, you know, you wanted to become a writer, director and producer. What was your, uh, you know, your your I guess your origin story of, yeah, this is what I want to do. Do you, do you have a moment like that or was it a gradual sort of growth?
2: Um, I just, uh, I guess people have always fascinated me. Um, and, and not, not just any kind of people, but typically people that are, uh, uh, discarded by society and, and, you know, not looked at as necessarily good people, um, the, so I've always, I've always kind of, uh, been attracted to seedy characters and, and people that, you know, are in conflict in some way. Um, and, uh, I didn't do well in school. Um, but whatever I love to do, I always worked very hard at. And so it was kind of a gradual thing where I'm a writer first. Um, and I, I found that as a nice way to escape and, uh, deal with life and, you know, at a certain point, you kind of, I kind of asked myself, I was like, well, I'm never going to work a real job. Um, so I better figure out how to monetize this thing that I love to do. And, um, you know, film seemed to kind of be the most, uh, viable way to do so. Um, so, you know, I kind of just gradually made my way into it.
0: Do you have, uh... Um, you know, uh, IMDB, we have all the stuff that you've done, that you've written and everything yourself. Did you work on, um, as an assistant or with, um, other writers and directors, producers before you moved on to your own stuff, or did you kind of just jump right in?
2: Uh, no, I, I've, I've only, I've never worked with anybody else in terms of, uh, um, you know, assisting anybody or kind of having a formal education even, um, and and that doesn't mean I'm some kind of a savant or anything like that. It means that uh, <laughs> I've failed a lot and uh, and I've worked really hard to learn from those mistakes. Um, you know, my wife, uh, she is an actress. She's in Body Brokers actually. Um, and she's been in, a, in three of my films. Um, she read my first script before we were married. We were just friends. And I was all excited to give it to her because I wanted her to play a part. And she called me and said, this is fucking awful. Uh, You got to get your shit together. I don't know what this is. And uh, anyway, it it forced me to kind of go back in and rewrite it. And and that movie was flawed. And and I'm proud of parts of it. And it's just, you know, I think filmmaking in general is I just want to get better. And I work a lot. And I work very hard to work a lot. Uh, because i want to improve and uh and i see progression and everything i've done and you know um i there's there's more progress to make so yeah
1: yeah it's it's a, a an ever-changing career you know i don't think there's ever a stopping point for for creators or filmmakers like you know I'm, I'm a screenwriter as well and i can tell you the first script i wrote will always be under lock and key no one's going to read that ever again because it's god-awful you know right. uh but you know, I I've, I've seen the growth in your career, you know, with uh, run with the hunted and then now onto like Body brokers, you have Ida Red that I assume you're probably filming now, right? Um, uh, we finished that one. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Uh, yeah. Did want to ask you, though, uh, are you, you know, you're attracted to, to writing CD characters and, and characters that you you almost want to root for, but you also, you know, want to see uh, kind of go through some some crazy stuff. But have you thought about or dabbled in any other genres recently that you wanted to, to write?
2: Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I feel like body brokers was a genre that I, I never really anticipated being able to write in because I, again, like, I don't see myself as a, an intellectual in that kind of way. Um, in terms of, you know, uh, breaking down some kind of social issue or anything like that. Um, so that was kind of a weird uh, experiment for me. But then recently, um, I'm, I'm actually in Oklahoma prepping a movie now. We just finished Ida Red, um, which is a genre I really like to work in, kind of a pulpy, culty uh, uh, crime um, genre. Um, I wrote a script that we're about to shoot uh, that's similar to that in genre. And then I also wrote a horror movie we're going to shoot back-, back to back. Um, and I'm really excited about horror because I've never – i'm not really a horror person um i never really grew up watching a lot of horror movies but it's been this thing that i've been able to kind of um discover later in life that i've just like fallen in love with so i'm I'm really excited about um playing around in that whole world um, that's awesome
1: yeah. but you know that yeah. it's it's been said and proven that those who aren't super into horror you know throughout their upbringing make the best horror films <laughs>
2: I didn't know that was said, but I love that. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, you know, uh, I think it's really cool. Like I was, it was so liberating to write a horror movie, uh, and it's actually my favorite thing I, I think I've written. And um, and because there's the rules are so di- different in horror, um, where you know these things that in in drama you're not supposed to do, um, in horror it's kind of like you're you're applauded for doing these things that are kind of shamed in typical. Uh, uh, genre storytelling um so I, I it's it's been really kind of liberating and, and a lot of fun to, to think about and get into
0: is it like a slasher horror or more like yeah a... yeah yeah oh, okay it's awesome. a, it's a
2: horror about um about so i have a fascination with um and you know my 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 humor and um Pretty much everything about me is 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 offensive at times, so I'm sorry if this is uh, is, is, (laughs) a. You're on the perfect (laughs) podcast, man. (laughs) But uh, it's it's a whore about lot lizards, which is um which is a uh, a seedy underbelly of the trucker industry um where it's it's male and female prostitutes um that that live in truck lots um and I'm been obsessed with these people for a long time and know some of them and and uh yeah so a horror movie it all takes place at a truck stop um and it's a slasher film and it's going to be a lot of fun yeah yeah that's cool yeah
0: so I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that you're never really going to be interested in doing like a Disney Pixar situation or a (laughs) (laughs) rom-com
2: that's not that's not true that's not true I uh
0: oh good okay I, I,
2: I would I would love to do something like that um I, you know, I don't remember who said it, but it was a filmmaker and I read it. and I thought it was very true. They're like, if if you don't want to make a film in every genre, then you really don't love film. Um, and yeah. I think that's true. And I, I, I love all kinds of movies. Um, you know, I've, I don't look like it, but I've, I've seen a lot of rom-coms. Um, I love Disney movies and kids movies. Um, so I would, I would love the opportunity. Um, I wouldn't know how necessarily to go about making one uh financially uh but if somebody ever asked and it was uh, a cool thing that i was interested in and uh and connected to i would i would love to try yeah all right i'm gonna i'm gonna call
1: you out right now what's what's your favorite uh kids or disney animated film that you think no one would pin you to like
2: uh like like new or old oh any any Uh, that no one would think I would like. Um, Ah, man, I don't know. I mean, I I really, the thing I I appreciate about Disney films, and it taught me a lot about writing screenplays. You know, after I'd written a, a couple and I made Run with the Hunted and Body Brokers even, it was really interesting to go back and watch Disney films, like the animated ones, like The Great Mouse Detective or Rescuers Down Under or Snow White or these things. And I like to grid films, um, or I like to watch movies with a stopwatch and I will see when certain things happen in a story. Okay, this happens at three minutes, this happens at 13, this happens at 21, this happens at 35. So, and the thing that's so amazing about Disney films is how formulaic they are, where if you laid them all on top of each other on a grid, you could, I mean, it's almost to the second when plot points happen. And, you know, there's a reason. They work. And to try and for me to think that I can deviate from what works and reinvent screenwriting is foolish um, and going to be a long journey mm-hmm. uh, to failure. So uh, I I love Disney movies. Um, There's not really one I don't like. Um, you know, I'm not a huge. Uh, uh, like, you know, Mandalorian or Star Wars person, but I but I appreciate you know i appreciate all kinds of films so i don't know that there's one that anybody would be surprised that i don't like uh that i like but um you know recently like i loved zootopia i thought that was an amazing film um oh yeah but i also love uh you know snow white and uh you know um i got merlin tattooed on my arm from sword in the stone i mean i i got yes you know, uh, i uh i i love all of those films
0: that's amazing. Um, how, since you um, are in the middle of filming and you just finished filming and all this stuff, how are you doing all of that in the current pandemic situation? How's that working for you?
2: Um, it's it's pretty good, you know, and it's actually uh, it's it's parts of it are it it kind of robs you of the the best parts of filmmaking, but it also helps you focus on things you didn't you you normally don't get to focus on so what i mean by that is you know one of the best parts about making a movie or a short film or anything is is collaborating and being able to kind of have this family vibe where you know you guys are all on this journey together and you eat together and you you know Hang out together, and you make the film together, and it's like this great little like traveling circus. Um, you know, the pandemic has obviously put an end to a lot of the extracurricular activities um, in terms of, you know, everybody hanging out after a shoot or something and getting close to people. But um, what's been really nice is that how focused it's made everybody, because you know the time we are getting to spend together is the time we're working together. So it, it makes that time more enjoyable and more uh, more precious, and um, and it's yielded better results for me. Um, you know, we just, like I said, we finished Ida Red in September and uh, filming it, and and it's one of the coolest films I've done, and uh, and most proud I've been of a movie because I know how hard it was to make. And uh, but also, you know, it, it was a lot of the town, the actors' first movie back. It was a lot of the crew's first movie back. Nobody had worked in seven or eight months hmm. or, or six months, but the passion and excitement everybody brought because of that was uh unparalleled and it was really really cool um and it shows um so there's parts of it that i found that are very beneficial um but there and there are parts that obviously i don't know when they're going to go back to the way they were you know um and that's sad um so you know but i try to just look at the good yeah it's uh it's tough
1: right now trying to pinpoint where we'll be even in a you know one to two years when it comes to you know theater releases. So for for films like Ida Red that you know you've done you you guys are probably in post production, you're getting ready to release it at some point. Are you looking to release it this year or are you trying to wait it out a little bit and see if you could release it next year?
2: Uh that, you know, um is out of my hands. Um mm. you know there's there's people that are uh you know it's that movie's been bought and mm. you know is is in a is going to have a great release no matter how they decide to do it. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't, they don't, they don't call me for my advice on how to do things like that, you know? <laughs> so, so, and I wouldn't have a good answer it either, you know? So, uh, you know, I just, uh, it's I'm, I've I've worked hard to get into a situation where at least the night of red, I, um, I make the film I want to make and I get to hand it to them and they decide, you know, the best way to to, to monetize it and put it out. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: (laughs) It sounds, though, that like you got to because of the uh, dedication everyone had that it shot a lot faster than maybe it would have in non-COVID times. I mean, I don't I don't know enough about film at all, but um, for me, it feels like movies are supposed to take months and months. And this took what, three or four?
2: Uh, No. So, I mean, typically nowadays, even a film you know, most, unless you're shooting like a Marvel movie or an action, mm-hmm. uh, huge action movie or a fantasy film, uh, most film shoots are about uh, no longer than 30 days. Wow! Um, so about six weeks. Um, Ida Red was 25, uh, Body Rokers was 23 days. Um, and then my previous films were 20. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it used to be in like, you know even as uh, like the 90s or or early 2000s yeah it was two three month shoots and you had all this time to to make these films and it was great and um now it's it's not you know but technology is kind of you know it's it's not it, it's made it a lot easier to make a movie um so yeah but but I was actually the 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 longest shoot I'd I've had um and during covid um so yeah. But, you know, like I said, we were very careful. We didn't have any problems. Um, and, you know, it was, uh, it was an experience.
0: Yeah. So. That's
2: awesome.
1: Yeah. This, uh, you know, we started this podcast in the height of of COVID because, you know, Steph's a stage manager. She wasn't working. You know, I, I made a lot of, of, you know, private gig jobs acting. I wasn't doing anything. So uh, I always like to hear what were you doing? You know, besides uh, writing. And of course you're in production, but do you have anything you like to do, uh, you know, outside of directing and writing that kind of keeps you level, um, whether it's, you know, something creative or a hobby you have, do you have anything like that, that, um, you can kind of like shut your brain off and just kind of decompress for a little bit?
2: Uh, you know, I, uh, I basically stopped shooting dope and started making movies. Uh, (laughs) so I substituted one addiction for another and, uh, and, uh, (laughs) And you know, so that's how I keep myself level is I, I stay busy and I um I, I try not to have any idle time, you know. Mm. Um I have a wife, like I said, and, and she's a musician and uh was touring all the time pre-COVID and and you know um she's an actress also. So there's a lot of stimulation and uh things to do um in my house. So, you know, I don't really there's not a lot of hobbies. I live in the woods. um, So when I'm not in the woods, I'm working. And when I'm in the woods, I'm working. So, Mm. you know, um, yeah. Yeah.
0: So do you have a lot of um, ideas and thoughts beyond even your horror movie that you've got, you know, in the works that you're just kind of always writing down and working out and that's what's kind of taken up your time?
2: Um, Yeah, I guess. I mean, you know, it's, You know, I'm very fortunate to be in the situation I'm in right now where we're releasing one movie, uh, Body Brokers, um, we're completing another and Ida Red, and then we're prepping two more. So, you know, there's not a lot of downtime in terms of what my brain, you know, there's always kind of some kind of fire to put out or something to do. Um, You know, typically when I'm editing a film is when I write a film and this time I wrote a few films, uh, a few scripts, and uh, so that's kind of when I write, but I mean, during the course of the other parts of the process, I'm always, you know, keeping myself open to things that might be inspiring or mm-hmm. ideas, and uh, you know, whenever I have one, I mean, it's kind of that, you know, you you know when it's one you're going to write about, because you kind of can't get it out of your head, um, so yeah, there's a few extras, but I haven't really sat down to sure to really kind of pick them apart yet and eventually those will come
1: to fruition you know do you get those light bulb moments where you know you're talking to your wife you leave in a split second i gotta write this down hold on hold on hold on (laughs) like just to to lock it in
2: (laughs) right 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 so uh yeah i i made her a promise after this this next these next two movies i'm going to take a little bit of a break so uh we'll see if that happens yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> find find one hobby that you can enjoy. <laughs>
2: right, right, yeah. So, we'll see.
1: There's a there's a pretty, you know, prevalent group of uh, indie filmmakers here in Colorado, man. Have you thought about uh trying to get something produced out here?
2: You know, I um it's uh, you know, I'm from Oklahoma where I am now and where we've shot where I've shot every film I've done. Um and, you know, it's not it's not just because I'm from here that we shoot here. Um, there's great tax incentives um, mm. and it's, you know, very favorable tax incentives. And it's kind of a key component to film finance uh, for everybody. So, you know, I've looked at Colorado, but I don't think they have an incentive. No. <laughs> um, and and so, you know, and and, you know, but Colorado, they're doing fine you know it's a very wealthy state there's plenty of of money that comes in via the you know the tourism and skiing and all that kind of stuff so there's not really an incentive for them it seems like to have a film incentive um it's usually in states like oklahoma where you know most people couldn't even point it out on a map um you know or places like new mexico or alabama or you know these these kind of states that don't get a lot of love and don't have any tourism they tend to have the best film incentives because they want to drive people there. Um, So I would love to shoot in Colorado. Um, You know, I, I, I've lived in, like I said, Boulder, uh, Fort Collins, uh, outside of Colorado Springs. I lived for a year. Um, It's a beautiful place. And uh, I, you know, I'd love the opportunity to do it, but until you guys get a film, uh, you know, tax incentive, I don't, I don't think it'll happen.
1: We're we're always crossing fingers every year, and it, it never seems to go anywhere. But uh, it seems like yeah, I mean, Oklahoma's blowing up. I, uh, I I'm not sure. I do want to ask though, uh, really quick: Does Oklahoma have a relatively small uh, film community? Because I saw that you know Sterling Harjo is directing and producing a show for FX called Reservation Dogs that I know they just uh, I think they're they're wrapping up or they're in the middle of right now. But uh, do you have any? future collaborations with uh, local Oklahoma filmmakers or. Uh, um,
2: yeah. I mean, you know, I don't actually, you know, Sterling and I grew up, I think in the same town, he's a little older than I am, I think. Um, but um I've never met him <laughs> and it's not because I don't want to meet him. It's just because uh it just never happened. And it's interesting, you know, especially with, I think with directors and, and writers is I, I found that most of us are like our own islands and, you know, we're so self-consumed with what we're doing that we just never run into anybody else. Um, and, uh, I'm a fan of what he's doing. he's the only other like Oklahoma filmmaker that I know of. Um, but yeah, they were filming the pilot for reservation dogs while we were filming Ida Red. And I think they're actually getting ready to film the rest of the series or the season right now. Um, but i'm i'm always rooting for other people from oklahoma but uh, i don't i don't know many of them doing at least what he or, or what i've done here and keeping things here um you know i think it's a relatively small community but i think people are kind of you know hopefully um with the incentive and um you know the the more work that comes here people will you know kids will grow up and and you know kind of carry on the carry on the uh, the tradition of, of of bringing films back here in their home state yeah i hope so
0: (laughs) if um if money was no object do you have a particular place or style of movie that you would love to just direct and do and kind of go for it
2: uh you know i don't i don't really um that's a good question but i i don't think about things like that really um you know I don't I, I tend to try and keep my uh, what I'm doing and what I'm trying to do based in the reality that that is afforded to me, you know at the time. so I uh, know I mean I'm doing what I want to do, you know and telling the stories that i I want to tell. Um, and you know if if more doors are opened and there's more resources or finance or anything like that. I, I will adjust accordingly, but until then, it's okay. kind of like, I like to, to stay in, in kind of solution and, and, and the actions that are capable, I'm capable of making, um, and taking. So, um, but I guess to answer your question is that I, I'm, I'm very fortunate to, to feel like I'm, I'm telling the stories I want to tell right now and, you know, with the means yeah. I have. So, yeah. That's yeah. great. Yeah.
1: There's a, fair.
2: there's a, there's
1: a, Um, it always feels ham-fisted saying this and I feel like I'm pulling out a cliche, but, uh, there's a definite like early Michael Mann Scorsese vibe to, to the way you direct. And I did want to ask you, do you have any influences that, uh, you, I don't want to say you, you aspire to, to reach, but anybody that you had, uh, uh, like a preference watching, you know, as far as directors or filmmakers go, uh, that may have inspired you in the way that you direct film.
2: Well, I think you know. I'm flattered that you said that, but I think it's blasphemy. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess you know. I don't know if that's true, man. I appreciate it, but uh, um, it I, sucks uh, saying <laughs> it. But I had to. <laughs> uh, no, I appreciate. You know, that's nice, and you can take it back. Uh, but uh, I'm a I'm a huge Michael Mann fan, um, and and I love Scorsese's films, also. Uh, but um, like Thief and um, mm it's like my favorite movie one of my favorite movies along with um collateral i love and heat's obviously a great film oh, yeah. and i love that too but uh those those movies um their films i love but uh you know the inspiration for those films i really love too which is a lot of like 70s like b cinema um and like uh kind of weirdo you know uh the the films that kind of came out of that whole experimental time um I really, really love uh, like two lane blacktop or uh, uh-huh. uh, straight time or out of the blue or a lot of peck and paw movies. I really love. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I, I all those kind of films uh, inspire me a lot, and I think especially with Ida Red that we just uh, just finished, and these next two movies I'm doing, I really kind of took myself back to film school by going back and rewatching that whole era of films. Um, because there's such a simple way they did things uh but they got so much out of it so i uh in terms of storytelling so yeah uh michael mann is a huge you know he's kind of the the gold standard for me you know so that was such that, a great that, answer a... to a bullshit question <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah well as long as we can both admit that it was a bullshit question <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, because I, I mean, I got no, the, just kidding. No, no, totally, dude, I i i, I love you know, I love the look of the movie, the way it was shot. I'm like, how can I say this without sounding like a massive douchebag? There's no way, so we're just gonna pull it out and do it. But I appreciate it. I'm, I'm
0: just kidding. Uh, I love it. Um, kind of uh, on that vein of, of since we're talking a little bit about body brokers again, if there's like one thing you really hope changes because of this movie, what do you think that would be? I mean, I know uh, like the big picture would be that fraud doesn't happen anymore, but is there maybe something that might be more attainable that you think could really actually happen?
2: Um, you know, the the truth is, is that, and I didn't know this until recently, um, that there are these bills that are, that have been introduced to the to state legislature in California and in Florida and, and a few other places that had been introduced that would change these things, uh, if they mm. were voted and passed. And they're not like things that would, uh, really affect anybody negatively, except for the bad apples in this whole thing. Um, so, you know, I think, uh, it was in the, the first bill in California was introduced in 2018. So it's been kind of just lying, lying there dormant, um, and, and kind of on, uh, I don't know the the right term, but it hasn't been voted on and passed. But it's been on these people's desk since then. So I think something like that seems relatively, uh, you know, possible. And I'm not saying because of the film necessarily. There's been actually some great articles the other day. There was one by NPR. uh, This study done by a Yale uh, professor um, where she kind of broke down and outlined everything that's in the movie, Um, and it was really great timing for us but um in addition to her you know vox and um a few other pretty good outlets have uh have recently been doing you know these little expose pieces on it so hopefully you know um with everybody's uh efforts you know these things will get passed and and it'll help but you know for us it's been most satisfying or uh, just to get notes from people um via email and social media telling us their experience and that you know they're very happy that that we're validating their stories because nobody believed that this kind of thing was happening to them Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm.
1: yeah uh you know shifting from
0: all right i see it i i could support you we'll see this movie and then go yeah that needs to happen so that's why i'm gonna put that out there for you
1: (laughs) and it's a movie that has to be seen honestly i mean we uh, i would have loved to share the uh the screener with other people, but, um, you know, I hope once this is uh, released, we have a lot of, you know, uh, VOD rentals and people tuning into it. Cause I think it is an important movie that everyone needs to watch and uh, it will make you think by the end of it, Uh, along with, you know, the, the gritty realism of the film and, you know, the reality of the situation, uh, (laughs) we like to ask everybody, do you have a, a party story from your filmmaking career whether it's like a best story or like the worst experience you've ever had that always sticks with you that you'd want to share with us, names redacted. Story, yeah, a
2: like party story.
0: One that you would tell uh, the people who don't, who aren't in the business, that would kind of shock them. Whereas for those of us who are, would be go, yep, that sounds yep. Fine,
2: right. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh trying to think of something that's that's uh that's appropriate that won't you know get anybody into trouble uh, <laughs> that's, true. that's you know that's also not boring uh, yeah. so it frank uh, grillo
1: doing pull-up spin between takes or something like
2: that? uh <laughs> frank frank yeah I, I can't tell you anything about frank uh, without getting into trouble uh, uh no but there's um you know on I'm trying to think of something. Um It's tough. Uh okay, so so on this movie we just finished, Ida Red, um there's a there's a scene where somebody is uh dressed up in um a disguise and walking around with a uh uh submachine gun. And and there there's a shootout and all this stuff happens, whatever. Um, and we couldn't get clearance to shoot in a building downtown that we needed this, you know, uh, character to go through. And so we just decided we were going to just put the camera on you know, the DP shoulder and run through this building um, with the guy in the disguise and a submachine gun. And so, you know, we're running through this building and following with a camera and everything's going okay. And then they have to go out and clear a card on the camera. And so uh, the camera guy leaves with the camera. So there's no camera and there's just me and a guy and a full, you know, everything with a machine just holding a machine gun in the middle of this lobby and a big, you know, uh, downtown building. And he decides he's going to go get a drink of water. So he walks over to get a drink of water and this woman comes out of her office. And this big guy is standing there with a huge, you know, machine gun. She starts screaming and freaking out, and and <laughs> says she's going to call the police. And, uh, and and it was, I mean, it was a whole scene, but it was it was really funny oh uh, and, and, and horrible. But um, it was just one of those things. Like that's what indie filmmaking is. Is you know, you kind of you kind of always have to to ask for forgiveness later. Yeah. And uh, and that was kind of the most extreme of that um you know <laughs> you know having this guy walk around like and anyway so that was a that was kind of a funny you know only you know somebody who's who's made a film uh, would would understand
0: definitely you know, doing
2: something like that and the humor in it too
0: i love but that, that woman that's was fine. See, that was perfect
2: Explain you know, <laughs> everything after she calmed down yeah <laughs> yeah yeah uh... Uh, so yeah that's what i got for that question
1: Oh, it's perfect. i
0: love that i could i i could i could picture it too and i just a lay person walking out and like of course you would scream why who wouldn't but that's amazing i love that <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh. um I, yeah, another yeah uh, so so um,
0: wrap up kind of question we have that we like to ask too is um do you have uh any particular advice either for filmmakers writers um directors or even just in general people you know we we it's very broad question stuff something that's really helped you over the years that you would like to share with with our listeners
2: um yeah i mean it's kind of the only advice i have is uh write what you know and use what you have, you know? Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's the only way that I know how to make movies is by, um, is by using what I have and writing what I know about. And, uh, what I mean by that is, you know, like I mentioned, I'm from Oklahoma and, you know, obviously there's a tax incentive here, which allows me to make movies here, but there's a reason there's tax incentive elsewhere, but, uh, I stay here because I have resources here that I don't have anywhere else. And uh, I have supportive people that, you know, I wouldn't have in another place. So, you know, in terms of, you know, people that want to make a film someday or have a screenplay they want to make or, you know, anything like that, it's, there's kind of no excuse not to take an action. Um, you know, nowadays we all have, you know, cell phones or, you know, cameras. Um, so there's, there's, you know, it's not like the old days where there's a, uh, you know, you got to shoot on film, you know, so, if you want to tell a story there's ways to do so and it's always better to tell a story than not um or hold out for the perfect situation um you know that it's like uh you know i work a lot because i want to get better but i and also because i'm not sitting around waiting for the perfect opportunity to come around i take the opportunities that i have so that would be my advice
1: yeah tangible advice. advice i liked it yeah
0: yeah
2: uh, you know, it it's goes
1: without saying, but we also ask, is there anything you want to plug for your episode? Uh that we can <laughs> outside kind
2: of, of your movies, <laughs> yeah, shout out
1: on our uh on this latest edition of PDRP.
2: Yeah, uh Body Brokers, uh, the film comes out tomorrow on all streaming and digital platforms. Not all streaming, all all digital platforms anywhere you uh rent movies, also in select theaters. Um I'd like to plug uh my wife's band, the Bobby Lee's. Ooh. Yeah, I'm I'm getting some points here for that. Uh <laughs> maybe get a couple of follows or, or listens for her and uh, you know, and and in this podcast. You know, thank you guys so much for talking about the movie and watching the movie. And uh, you know, it's the only way any kind of change or, or, or light's gonna be shined on this problem is by people like you guys talking about it and getting the on out. So thank you.
0: Uh, thank you yeah on, no problem man. thank we, you for for being willing to talk with us about it so
2: yeah um, we,
1: we really appreciate the the film's message and you coming on and sharing that story with us and
0: yeah
1: uh, we hope this uh this illuminates that that you know that troubled underground operation uh well i i think without further ado uh i think we can close out this episode with a uh, what do what do we what would we call this? Our epilogue stuff, or uh, yeah, you just can reach our, us. You know, <laughs> our,
0: our end of yeah, our wrap up section. Um, and for that, uh, listeners, please. Uh, thank you again so much for, for listening and, and uh, tuning in every week. Um, we love doing this for you guys, and we hope that you really get a lot out of it. Um, please continue to like, subscribe, rate, and review us. Um, we are on all podcast platforms, um, and, or at least all the major ones. Um, and if you do uh, send give us a fire review, um, we would be happy to send you a little thank you sticker. Um, and you just would email us at pwrp.pod at gmail.com um and let us know where you rated us and where we should send you that sticker also keep uh, following us on all social media platforms we are facebook uh, instagram and twitter uh, at pwrp podcast is our handle
1: yes and if you'd like to be a part of this uh really awesome and fun show uh you want to share your story whether you're in the arts or trying to get into the arts please email us at pwrp pod at gmail.com we'll get back to you in about 90 seconds because we're both very underemployed and uh you know we're just we're waiting and chopping at the bit to bring you on the show <laughs> uh yeah without uh without further ado uh usually john at the end of each episode we go off with an awkward goodbye uh so we'll uh we'll do a little silent countdown and give ourselves uh, a good awkward goodbye you ready for that
2: have you guys ever been to jerusalem's in denver no no it's like the best uh, Middle, Middle Eastern food. Uh, <gasps> I, I, I
0: love Middle Eastern um,
2: food. I hope it's still anyway, open. Uh, that's the awkward goodbye for me. It's delicious. <laughs> I it's love that. It's amazing. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, you know, anyway, so go eat it. Uh, you can count me down now. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. We are
1: going to Jerusalem. Ready? And three, Bye. two, one. Bye. Bye.